0: Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. We're also going to take a side trip, I think, to Matthew chapter 13. Okay, let's see who's been paying attention. What's the message of Ephesians in two phrases? Christian, you are wealthy. All right, so nobody's been paying attention. (laughs) Christian, you are wealthy. That's chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are now walk worthy. Okay, Uh, that's been the message. Right now, Christian, we are finding out in these first three chapters how wealthy we are, how blessed we are. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So that's what we've been looking at is every spiritual blessing that has been poured into our lives. We've been taking this inventory. These things are found, by the way, once again, only in Christ. So we've been taking our spiritual inventory or in him inventory, Because you'll only find them in Him. Okay? Here's some things that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. These are yours, Christian. You already own them. Whether you're using them or not, it's a different story. But these are the things you own because you own Christ. He, he owns you. Here it is. Number one, we are innocent in His eyes. That's pretty huge. Number two, we were chosen in advance. Number three, we are in the family of God. He could have just saved us and not had us adopted, but he adopted us. Number four, we are accepted in the beloved. That is, we are accepted by God because of Jesus. Number five, uh, we saw these last week, we are redeemed in exchange for Christ's blood. And number six, the last thing we saw before this morning... We have forgiveness, but not just any old forgiveness, not just marginally forgiven. We have forgiveness in abundance. all sorts of words as you look through these verses chapter or chapter one, verse four through twelve, thirteen, fourteen, all sorts of words that are like abundant,, uh, just amazing, overflowing kind of words, okay? So here we go, next in our spiritual blessing inventory, you guys ready? No. Are you ready? All right. Next on our spiritual blessing inventory, we are, you ready? In the loop. We're in the know. You guys know, um, if you're an insider in Wall Street, you have a huge advantage. If you're an insider in Washington, you have a huge advantage. The scriptures we're going to look at say that we are insiders with God. Not bad. Look at verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. He made known to us the mystery of his will. The word mystery, and this is really important. If you don't get this, you'll probably miss the whole next section. The word mystery, mysterion, in the New Testament, never refers to something you can't know. It always refers to something that at one point but previously was unknowable. But now... You know, because it's been revealed to you. Um, Listen to this. I love this. In the Blue Letter Bible, it says this. Um, The word musterion is always something previously unknown, but now confided only to the initiated and not to ordinary mortals. I love that. We are privy to inside information that's not given to ordinary mortals. Awesome. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. One of the great spiritual blessings that we have is that we are privy to inside information that the rest of the world doesn't get or doesn't believe, doesn't see. Matthew 13, look at verse 10. Speaking of Jesus, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysterion, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. Another abundance word. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now look down at verse 16. But blessed, Jesus says, are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Y'all, we're privy to inside information. Listen to this from John chapter 15. Jesus speaking, John 15, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants. He's speaking this the night of his betrayal. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you servants friends for all that i heard from my father i have made known to you y'all the hallmark of a friend is that you they're in the know they're in they have inside information y'all this is awesome if you're a christian you are in the loop you are in the know you are not just a servant of jesus you are his friend you are his unbelievably to say it out loud you're his confidant Back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. Let me, let me ask you, as, as you go there, Christian, it's amazing that you would be in the loop, in the know. But why were you chosen to be in the loop and in the know? Is it because you're so important? So good looking? I'll be the judge of that. Um, is it because you're just so awesome? No, look at Ephesians 1, 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Notice that his good pleasure he purposed in himself. It's not because you're so amazing, you're so important, you're so good looking. It's not his choice is not about your greatness, but about his graciousness. Matter of fact, listen to these words of Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Okay? He prays and he says, Lord, I thank you that all the really smart people don't know this, but my people do. Okay? Of course, he does call you babe. I guess you could make a case that you're good looking. Um, (laughs) Okay? Okay, but in case you're starting to feel pumped up about yourself, I would hate for that to happen. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to, put the, to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Okay? I don't know why we're in the loop. Because God Paul says, Jesus says, Look, it's certainly not because they're so amazingly smart. Listen to those words again. Not many mighty or noble are chosen. Very few. Most people that are chosen are foolish and weak. Okay, look around, real quick. Look around. Okay. If you see more than a couple people who are wise and mighty, guess what? You're a fool. <laughs> right? You're foolish. But he loves you. I, I don't know why, but he does. You know, we are the island of misfit toys. We are, but let me finish the sentence. We're the island of misfit toys that Jesus loves. That he calls his friends. That he brings into his inner circle. You look at the disciples and it's the same story. Why would he pick that band of fishermen and that Motley crew? Christian, first thing today, rejoice cuz you're in the loop. You're in the know. We were at the pastors conference this last week and uh one of our favorite speakers is a pastor from LA called Poncho. and uh he grew up in the hood and gang all that stuff and I I wrote here, you're in the loop, you're in the know. I said, well, how would Pancho say it? You're one of Jesus' homeboys, okay? But not because you're indispensable, but simply because God's grace is incredible. It's inexhaustible. He simply looked at you and me and said, if I bring them in the loop, everyone will know there's no favoritism. I'll take anyone. Okay? So first on our inventory today, you are in the loop. You're in the know. You are one of Jesus' friends. He is your wonderful counselor. How do you apply that? Take advantage of it. This is a spiritual blessing in your inventory. Take advantage of it. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you have a wonderful counselor. Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. That means in abundance. And without reproach, that means he won't chew you out. When you ask God for wisdom, he's not going to go, Oh, come on, are you kidding? I gave you wisdom yesterday. (laughs) If you have a problem, if you have a mystery, if you need wisdom, you are an insider. Just ask. Okay? So first, you're in the loop. And here primarily is what uh, we're in the loop about. Okay, this is the the main thing that uh, the Lord invested uh, His wisdom in in us. The main thing that we're in the loop about is this, that we are included in His plan. Uh, Verse 9 says, He's made known to us the mystery of His will. Look at verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, okay, that's a really long way to say at exactly the right time, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. That's what Lee was praying about. There's going to come a time when he gathers us to himself. Right? He, he mourned when he looked when Jesus looked at Jerusalem. He says, Oh, I wanted to gather you now. But you did not know the time of your visitation. But at exactly the right time in the future, he will gather together. Anakathaleo. It's a really long word. And it means to condense into a summary. <laughs> really long word. <laughs> that means to sum up. Okay, uh, Calvary Chapel pastor David Guzik paints a great picture here because it literally means to sum up. It's a mathematical kind of word. So he kind of built this, uh, this word picture for me and I decided to steal it for you guys, for your sake. Here it is. This word, uh, gathered together, anacaphileo, I guess it is, means to sum all up. So, imagine the world's greatest mathematician. Okay? He's standing at an enormous blackboard. Okay? It's like three times the size of this wall. Okay? He has to get a, get a ladder, I guess, or some kind of amazing floating shoes so he can write. Okay? He's furiously writing a mathematical equation. There are numbers and symbols that are just flying out of that board and you have no idea what any of it means. Okay, you notice that E equals MC squared is somewhere toward the beginning of this equation. Just an incidental part of this amazing, mind-boggling formula. He's scribbling furiously. He's filling up the blackboard. He's going top to bottom, left to right. About halfway done, he just pauses and takes his floating self over to the far right bottom corner. And he writes the answer. Seven. <laughs> Whatever it is. Well, in verse 10, just to help you understand this, history is the blackboard. The father's the mathematician. The problem is immense. And it's still being written. And Paul is saying to you, y'all, you're insiders. Insiders. The solution has already been revealed to you. It's not a number. It's a name. Jesus. Verses 9 and 10 say that we Christians are in the loop. We happen to know and believe. The rest of the world thinks we're crazy. But we know and believe that at just the right time, the Father will sum up all things in Christ. He will reveal the solution to all the heartaches in the world, both in heaven and on earth, look again he's already told us that we 're not particularly wise and mighty, right? We are not geniuses, or is it genii? I'm not sure which we we don't even understand the question sometimes we don't even have a real deep grasp of the problems, but we know the answer. Jesus, let me give you a question that i don't really have. An answer for but I have the solution why do bad things happen to good people okay well I can give you a quick answer that's not sufficient well none of us are good okay Bible says that but how does that help a person who doesn't even know God um, why does God allow children to suffer well I can give you an answer and the an answer would be that our ancestors infected our world with sin. But you know what? I've discovered recently that's not sufficient enough of an answer for a hurting parent. Amen. I don't have an answer, but I have the solution. If you imagine that blackboard, somewhere on that blackboard is the problem of your and my personal sin. How do you pay for that? Solution, Jesus. Somewhere on that blackboard is every problem that you face, even today, even as a Christian. Think about the problem that you face right now that you think maybe has no solution. Look when it's all summed up. Your solution is Jesus. There's a song uh, by uh, Brooke Fraser called Shadow Feet. It says, when the world is falling out, I'll be found standing in you, still standing in you, because you remain. I say, other song I wrote, we sang it uh, for worship. Lord, when all else fades, you remain. You are my solution. There's none other. Look, if you came in here hurting, asking those difficult questions, I don't have sufficient answers, but I do have the solution. History is still being written, and I know the solution. I know what it's going to say at the very end of the problem. Now, there may be some here today that you know the answer, right? You know that he is the sum of all things. He is the solution. But you're still freaking out. And it's because of, not so much, I don't know the answer, but I don't know the timing. Jesus, I know you are the answer to all my problems, but what if you're late, Uh What if you're late for the board meeting? What if you're late to the oncologists? You look at the blackboard and you see the answer, but it's driving you crazy that you know the answer, but you can't understand all of the the formula because God's still writing out the problem. History is still happening right now, right? Look at verse 10. It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times... In other words, that first phrase says that, guess what? God is going to sum up all things at exactly the right time. And and you guys know this true, like, epically. You know know it's true in history, right? Jesus is going to return for his church. The tribulation is going to begin. Jesus will rule and reign. uh, The new heaven, the new earth, all of that stuff will happen at exactly, precisely the right time. You guys know, God the Father will not be flipping on and off the lights in Jesus' room saying, Son, you're late for the rapture. Not going to happen. Jesus does all things well. And he does them at perfectly the right time. Just doesn't happen to be our timetable. I got this in my reading just yesterday. I just noticed that speaking of timing and how his timing makes us uncomfortable. Um... You remember that God sends Moses to speak to Pharaoh? They have a big discussion and Pharaoh says, I'm not up to the task, but I'm going to send you. I'll be your your mouthpiece and stuff, right? Uh, And the very first attempt, Moses goes and Pharaoh responds exactly opposite of how I think Moses was hoping he would. Pharaoh responds by actually making it harder on the Israelite slaves, right? It got worse before it got better. So if I'm Moses, I'm like, Lord, how could you allow such a crisis here? Well, think about that. If, if at the very first meeting, Pharaoh said to Moses, OK, go, you're good. Exodus is going to be a really small book. <laughs> right? Uh, think about it. I, I, I read this yesterday. The feeding of the 5,000. That was born out of a crisis. The disciples are going, this many people, Jesus, and you want us to feed them? It happens out of crisis. Um, think about this. They were in a boat in a storm. Remember that Jesus was watching them from the mountain mountainside? He just watched. He just hung, took, out, took his time, just hung out and watched these disciples struggling in the midst of this crisis. Lord, that's really odd timing. Well, let me ask you, would Peter have ever walked on water? If Jesus hadn't taken his time, if he hadn't come just walking by the exact right time? Here's my point. Are you in a storm? Your solution today is to trust these words that Jesus does all things in the dispensation of the fullness of time. That he does everything at exactly the right time. Your application would be then to rest in that. Look, you already know the answer. You just have to trust him for the timing. Okay, all right. So because of Jesus, we are number one in the loop. Number two, we are in His future plans. (laughs) So great. And number three, we are in His perfect timing. But number four, we are insured an inheritance. Look at verse eleven. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. Anyone here ever inherited a large sum or a piece of land or a house, anything like that? Anybody want to admit it? What is an inheritance? It's something that's been passed on to you by a family member. Usually not because you deserve it, but simply because you're part of the family. Let's say you are a starving college student. You're eating ramen noodles. See? Some people can relate. Um, You get an official letter that says, hey, really good news. It turns out that you are a relative of Bill Gates. So you are insured an inheritance, not right away, but someday. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, as I'm eating my ramen noodles the rest of that day, I'm feeling a little bit better about life, right? If you're a Christian, in Jesus, you are insured a heavenly inheritance. Well, you think, well, what if I blow it? I mean, won't he write me out of his will? Look at verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined. Again, it's a word that gives fits to theologians, but I love it. Predestined. Already set out at way ahead of time. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. Y'all, again, I am comforted by this word, predestined. It means in advance. It reminds me, I haven't obtained this inheritance by my stellar performance, but by the fact that for reasons all of his own, I don't know why he just chose me. Matter of fact, just to get us back in that mindset, I want you guys to read all of the personal pronouns, he, his, himself, starting in verse 9 for our text today. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which He purposed in himself, himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in verse 11 in In him. him Also, we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of who works all things according to the counsel of His. his will. Is it obvious yet? My inheritance does not depend on me, but on Him. It's not my work, it's His work. My only job, if you will, is to believe, to, to receive Him into my life, to trust Him, to, to turn and follow Him. As a matter of fact, the, the fact that He does the work and not me is actually very obvious. Look in verse 11. It says, "...being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works." The word is energeo. It's where we get the word energy. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. Y'all, God, your creator, is busy at work. Assuring your inheritance. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker? I'm spending my kids' inheritance. Y'all, if if God has a bumper sticker, it's this. I'm at work. Building my kids' inheritance. Now, how does it look? How does it look that... I mean, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you, Lord, that you're somehow building your inheritance uh, for me, in me, but how are you doing it? Well, does it strike you at all how much this verse, verse 11, is very similar to Romans 8:28? God is working all things together. For good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Does that sound a lot like Romans 8.28? When we went through Romans, here's what we learned. Look, God is using everything in your life. Your failures and your foibles, your sickness and your setbacks, your triumphs and your tragedies. He's using every single thing, stuff you you are glad about and stuff that you're not so glad about. He's using all of it to make you more and more like Jesus. To make you more and more fit for your inheritance that awaits. Does that make sense? God is busy working. You might not like the, the work that He's doing because it might hurt. But He's busy working for you an inheritance. Now, let me put it in... Earthly terms, if I can. Would you be okay with a 401k plan that even when you were demoted, the fund manager somehow worked that to a greater inheritance for you? Yeah, I'd be good with that. That even when bad things happen, the fund manager somehow works it into a better inheritance. So, we're in the loop, we're in his plans, we're in his perfect timing, and we are insured of our inheritance. And this is to be our response, y'all, verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Do you guys notice that phrase anywhere else in this chapter? Two more places. It's three times, interesting, a lot of... Uh, Folks, break this down into uh, text about the Father, text about the Son, and text about the Holy Spirit. And in each time, there's this phrase, to the praise of His glory. Look at it, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Speaking, uh, Paul is speaking first about the Father. To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And the Beloved is Jesus. And then he begins to talk about uh, Jesus. Now look down at verse, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Now he's talking about the Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Each of the members of the Trinity get this phrase attached uh, at the end to the praise of his glory. And here, Paul is saying to the praise of his glory about the son, Jesus. Look at verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Now, it was a little confusing for me. I think I finally figured out uh, the, the maybe the right way to look at this. The New Living Translation puts it this way: God's purpose was that we were we who were the first to trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. Okay, that's good. But I think there's something even better. The Revised Standard Version goes this way: We who first hoped in Christ have been destined and appointed to live for the praise. Of his glory. Let me put it this way. Um, look at verse 12, and let me read it first the way you might expect it to read, and, and it would make more sense. But I, the Holy Spirit um, directs the way He wants this written. I would expect maybe verse 12 to read this way: that we who first trusted in Christ should sing to the praise of his glory, or to to speak to the great praise of his glory. But no, it says. We who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. That is to exist. We should our, our very existence should be for His glory. Okay, We should exist. We should live our one goal to the praise of His glory. So to, to recap here, Jesus the Son has brought us into His inner circle. He's included us in His plans. He rescues us in His perfect timing. He's ensured us that we'll have this wonderful inheritance. And verse 12, Paul is saying, look, our response, not just by our singing, and that's good to sing praises to Him, not just speaking praises, and that would be really good if we were to do that every day of the week, but not just by those things, but by our living verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should live to the praise of His glory. Are you doing that as we close? In both good and bad situations, in your actions and your attitudes, in your words and your walk, are you living to His, to the praise of His glory? If you do, it occurred to me, I think you'll find yourself with... You your own set of Ephesians. Here's what I mean. Paul is writing to folks that he's led to the Lord. Right? He's writing to, to he's writing from a prison cell, but he spent, uh, what is it, a, I think a, a year and a half maybe, uh, in Ephesus. I think if you'll actually live to the praise of His glory, there will be people that you can speak to, verse 12, that we who first trusted, verse 13... In Him you also trusted. I don't know if that's making sense. Actually, let's let's look at that for just a second. I know we're going to really dive in next week to verse 13. But look at it. Verse 12 begins, That we who first trusted. And then verse 13, In Him you also trusted. Y'all, that means that there was a time when Paul trusted Christ, but his readers didn't. And it occurs to me this morning... Perhaps today I'm trusting Jesus with my future, but there's someone here in the room who's not yet trusting Jesus with your future. If you're an unbeliever here today, if you have not given your life to Him, I need to tell you once again, none of the things in this inventory are yours yet. But they can be. Things like redemption. That means to be set free. Things like forgiveness in abundance. a a relationship with the living God where He brings you into His inner circle. Y'all, how I would love, if you're an unbeliever here, to be able to speak these words about you. That in Him, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. I ask you, Lord, that you would... uh, You would fill us, Lord, to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Lord, those who who know you. Lord, if anyone has come in uh, feeling and acting and speaking like a pauper, Lord, I pray that you would convict and you would show how rich we are. Pray, Lord, that you would help us not to uh, miss the eternal uh, richness, Lord, that you've given because our eyes are on uh, the, the temporary. Pray, Lord, that in every case, Lord, you'd glorify yourself. And you'd uh, minister the way that you desire. And Lord, especially if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I ask, Lord, that you would change that today. That they would uh, come from uh, rags to riches this morning. Lord, their their life before you in their own uh, righteousness is filthy rags. And you offer riches to them. Lord, let no one... uh, pass by that opportunity this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen.